Hello and welcome to the Health in Focus with Jacobus podcast. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. The purpose of the show is to talk about health, healing and healthy lifestyles in a format that is down to earth and pretty easy to comprehend. Most shows will be conversations with experts in the field. However, sometimes I will do a podcast on my own, tackling other topics that interest me. The focus is on information, education and even some entertainment. It's not a program where we diagnose, treat or cure any diseases. In case this podcast and topic tickle your interest, please continue your own research by discussing it with a preferred medical professional, by reading books on the topic or by doing more research on the internet. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and that you will become a follower for more show updates. Also, please sign up at my website, healthinfocusnow.com and receive updates on podcasts and articles. Thank you so much for listening. Let's go to today's guest and topic. My guest today is Dr. Thomas Sexton, a licensed acupuncturist who has 47 years experience in the healing arts and an extensive background in oriental medicine, acupuncture and bioenergetic therapies with a comprehensive understanding of natural healing modalities from Europe. Thomas is one of the first class of graduates and nationally certified acupuncturist in America and attended the New England School of Acupuncture in Boston back in 1976. Hence, he has been a part of the early history and he has studied with many of the early major players in assisting acupuncture and Chinese herbology gain a major foothold here in the U.S. after President Nixon's famous trip to China, bringing down the bamboo curtain in 1972. The best way to contact him is by email at this point, which the email is Jing, which is D-A-O-T-E-H-J. I-N-G at gmail.com. Thomas, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you, Jacobus. It's always a pleasure. We've had many a show in the past, and now we are uh, on a different orb of the cycle, a different spiral, and things have changed. You're now in your beautiful home and uh, down in your basement in a nice, cool environment. You can it is just nice and talk cool. and not get interrupted with podcast uh, interviews as far as advertising and all of the rest and of it. telephone so, calls. So we can just hang out and chit-chat and maybe <laughs> discover a few things about life we didn't know before. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I always enjoy chatting with you. And I regularly meet people who use you as a physician to work with if somebody issues that they're dealing with. And I just always like you, you don't mince words. You say what you say, and you, it, sometimes it comes from an angle I didn't expect. And I think part of that is, number one, you're very personal, your own interest and who you are, but also that 47 years of doing what you're doing and constantly learning and you read a lot, you you study, uh, you, you want to make sure that what you really believe in is indeed backed up by knowledge and research. And I really, I wonder how you have done it for so long and still have that enthusiasm to keep learning. Well, um, <clears throat> yes, that's part of life. <laughs> If you're not learning, you know, you're growing old. I mean, 
we always have to adapt to new circumstances, new situations, and certainly this has been a grand challenge, I would call it, the last three years, yeah. three and a half years. It's a real adaptation change on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, we've gone through six epochs of a total extinction on the planet, and here we still are. Mm, so life is greater than all of this. Mm -hmm. And so watching this phenomena unfold over the last three and a half years has been fascinating, interesting, challenging, and nearly, uh, how should I say, life-threatening in, in, in many ways that, unbeknownst to ourselves, we're both teetering on the edge of life and death and with every breath. I mean, it, it is a challenge to be on this planet given the environment. Mm -hmm. All of my work is in biological medicine, uh, studied from Europe, uh, life logic, you know, is a good name for the type of medicine I practice. It's just practical, simple, boil it down to the essence and, and find out what's going on. But my understanding is 100% of our conditions is in consciousness. And so you're not your body, you're not your mind, you're pure consciousness. Originally, I'm looking at energetic medicine. I've always had a passion for that. Mm. I went to medical school. I lasted about one semester. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a half a year. Yeah. Because I went from the medical department to the philosophy department and then to the art department, and I passed swimming because... The challenges at the time, 1973, before I went to acupuncture school, you know, the Vietnam War was winding down. Yeah, we, had, we had a lot of PAs coming over from Vietnam trained, and they knew more than the instructors. They had a competition of their take so many students, and then after the first two semesters, they'd whittle it down to the what they wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. So I was part of that process. I was more fulfilling my father's ambition for me than doing what I really wanted to do. So Your I, father was a physician, right? Yes, he was an obstetrician, chief of medical staff at uh, Mount Auburn in Boston. So mm -hmm. he was a, a very well-known physician, obstetrician, <clears throat> but even in later years, he would often complain as to all the malpractice insurance, $48,000 a year. Wow, in those days. Yeah, mm -hmm. and back in the 70s, and just opened his store. And then parking fees, hospital fees, insurance, all of that was exorbitant and and so he had to do so many unnecessary tests regulated by the system because he could be sued 10 years later or you know some child defect from something like that we had very a stringent legal framework for medical doctors were starting to get sued very good ones by you know very aggressive lawyers digging up stuff on very successful doctors this wow. was happening in dc in the 80s yeah and and so uh you know he was aware of all of that and so he had to do due diligence it's just good medical practice to cover all your bases but he said you know, delivering babes, this is not rocket science. I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years on this yeah, planet. Hello. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, but at the same time, these all the various uh, testings and fears and anxieties are surrounding it. It gets very complicated. Hmm. But life is really not that complicated, but we make it so. My dad, he was, he's entrenched in it. An, an amazing uh, life story. Uh, he provided a great life for, for myself, my brother and my mother, and my choices were just different. And he had a hard time with those. And we had a hard time, you know, uh, 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 how should I say, um, connecting in, in the sense like father, son, you know, whatever they want you to do, uh, you always do the opposite. 
So similar to puppies and dogs, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so whatever. And so I found my own way. It was challenging for sure, but I think uh, in the end, yeah, we, we, we were, uh, how should I say, clearing the way for some new ground because, you know, acupuncture when, when I started was just a quackery. I mean, this is heresy. There were laws in Congress stating such. Claude Pepper, in his defense of uh, the elderly in Florida, he had a quackery medical bill, including pendulums and, and stones and healing and sounds and colors. And he wanted to protect the elderly from all these hooligans out there trying to rip them off and I take see. their Social Security check. I see. So, uh, yeah, acupuncture was uh, correlated. So we, and right off the bat, it's like, oh, well, they want to snuff it out. They want to don't want to even recognize it. It's been around four thousand years. People aren't stupid. If it wasn't working, hello, right. huh. they'd move on, wouldn't they? I mean, people are not stupid. No. So, uh, but acupuncture is a very aggressive a form of medicine in reality because you're sticking a needle, uh, but not a hypodermic, under somebody's skin. I mean, that's dramatic. I mean, yeah. and so. How you go about that and understanding what it does and how it works, it's, it's a fascinating study. I mean, it opens you up to walking this circle to try to figure out what's in the middle, all from different perspectives. Really? Yeah, Chinese medicine is like walking the circle, the Bakwa, the I Ching, the eight stations. It's, it's, it's based on knowledge that is perceived in nature. It's the natural phenomena that it occurs, and they, they labeled it yin energy cooling and, and dark and yin and moistening and then yang energy, the sunlight, the power. So we have these two primordial forces, you know, we have the Tao, which is the basis of all Chinese medicine is, is philosophical and spiritual. It's based on the way, the Tao, which is pervasive all the way from Confucius on down to Lao Tzu. Yes, uh, the, all these wisdoms of life and, and understanding this, this intrigued me as a kid. This, this first knowledge of reading books in, in high school, Sid Harther, you know, finding a spiritual path. My brother was in college at the time. He had pointed a few books in my direction, the master game and stuff. So I wanted to figure out what, what, why I'm here. What, what am I supposed to do? I mean, mm. I mean, I'm getting yelled at all the time. We're not doing everything right and perfect, but I mean, what, what's inside of me? You know, I mean, I had a wonderful childhood. I, I spent my summers in Cape Cod and as a child, just allowing my imagination to be wild all day long with freedom. To me, that's, that's life. And that's also Freedom is healing. Mm -hmm. The ability to compensate and regulate in your body is the, the power of healing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take poisons in, you can process them, and, and if you handle them well, you know you're healthy. It's not the poison itself, it's, it's your own internal terrain. And that's the basis of biological medicine. It's based on terrain, the internal environment. It's not the microbe. We can get into the whole evolution of modern medicine, but it's based on a monomorphic belief that this bug or this bacteria causes this disease. Right. And uh, that was disproven at the time of Pasteur. On his deathbed, he came to the recognition that this is indeed the fact. And he's, he was erroneous, but our modern medical paradigm is based on managing disease and controlling these organisms, which they, they can't because they're pleomorphic. They'll adapt, they'll change. You know, you take antibiotics for 15 days, hello, all the bacteria in your gut are changed, morphed. They're not all killed. It's not a blanket storm where they just annihilate all this stuff. No, 
They're tough. They want to survive. They're going to adapt, and they go through pleomorphic changes. This is what mm. we look at in the microscope. Where are we at in this pleomorphic change in our body? <clears throat> is it on a decaying cycle, an enlivening cycle? What's the state of the immune system? How many toxic elements are you dealing with? Chemicals, insecticides, heavy metals. I mean, I see it every day. And this accumulation causes... Okay, bacterial changes. You know, you get fungal and yeast problems because you got heavy metals. It's there trying to protect you. Dr. Hammer's work in Germany, fascinating. The new medicine. H-E-M-M-E-R? H-A-M-M-E-R. Okay. And, and uh, his work, he was an oncologist. He did brain scans of all his cancer patients. He saw lesions in the brain. He could identify the traumas involved. A fight and flight, the death syndrome, all of this fascinating wow. new medicine that huh. he created uh, based on uh, his work with cancer. He developed a whole means of understanding this dynamic of the mind, the emotions, and the physical organ. And he said they were all one. Hello, that's Chinese medicine. We don't look at you as, you know, oh, you got to go see a psychiatrist. Oh, you need to go see a, a physical therapist. You know, we don't separate the body. It's all connected. The, the body is a reflection of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so once we start to dial it down, you know, I mean, your, your spine is all different uh, sounds in the, the musical A, B, C, uh, whatever the musical notes. Of, Do, Re, Mi. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how should I say? From the cervical down to the base, it's color-coded each spine. It's a resonance, it's a frequency, it's a vibration. Yes. We are all a vibration, huh. and we respond to that. And we are connected to the earth via a magnetic field. And all that's been very disturbing. Our whole axis of the planet has been, you know, the heart should be in the center of the body. It should be big. We are 23 degrees off axis on the planet. Although our heart is 23 degrees off the center of our body. Hmm. You know, what's, what, what's happening in evolution? How do we get right and vertical with our creator? You know, that's the real challenge. How do we maintain peace? in our head and, mm. and joy in our heart, given the circumstances we find in life. We're always put in fight and flight. Now, the thing about healing is you cannot heal when you're in fight and flight. It just won't happen. So how do you jumpstart, take a person immediately out of there on the table, first take them out of fight and flight, and then start to, we can start to work with it because the healing comes, whatever created you is going to heal you. I mean, the creator within you, yes. you know, I yeah. mean, and so that's what we work with in Chinese medicine. We call it qi, mm. energy. That's the life force in the body. And there's all different levels of energy from scalar waves to light waves to infra infrared rays, all frequencies and stuff. But we, we're be waking up to the sensitivity that we truly are in part of all of this. So the, the Chinese herbology and acupuncture and medicine has a spiritual cause or source? Yeah, even the language in, China, in Chinese had a spirit behind it. The old language and how it was written had a spirit behind it, a character. Our own English language has a spirit and energy. The vowels are the sole consonants of our language. The consonants are the structure in, in, in our language. Mm -hmm. And so Rudolf Steiner brought a lot of this to light in Eurythmy in different forms. He was a spiritual scientist. He actually could see into the spiritual worlds, and he gave a whole dissertation of the evolution of the planet, cult sciences, and and he incorporated into biodynamic gardening, you probably heard of, yeah, all of are based on his mm -hmm. principles mm -hmm. of, 
of working with nature to enhance nature and, and to then produce excellent food. But he was very practical and, and, and involved with a lot of different areas of life. He developed a Christian community to, to, to uh, how should I say, where people could go and, and uh, partake of uh, the Spirit because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So they used the Word in, in a spoken way to help channel that energy. And we know that the power of, in the Christian Bible, you know, the stamping around the walls of Jericho, whatever, I mean, bring the walls down. Correct. That's a rhythm. That's a yeah. pattern. That's yeah. a cadence. You know, there's a power in all of that. Mm -hmm. So we work with these natural forces in nature to enhance life within the physical form. And, and this physical form is very pliable. And this is when you start to open it up. We, we take on, when we incarnate in this world, we're taking on our mother's you know, unconscious fears and doubts and things because we're bathing in that. We know it. We're taking it on. We're, mm -hmm. we're here to help mom. You know? uh, but at the same time, they have their fears, their anxieties, and these are things that we start to become, huh? This is toxic. Oh, I don't like this. And we, you know, the body internally, when you're inside the womb, I mean, as a child, we experience life too in many different ways. But we're in and out, in and out, in and out. You bet. You know, in Chinese belief, they don't feel that in the mysticism, they can actually change the sex of the child in the first uh, six weeks to, to two months. I mean, things can change, but scientifically, they have their hard science. No, that's impossible and all of that. But, yeah. you know, mysticism and science, when they come together, when we get smarter, they'll align themselves. You know, mysticism and science will become one the smarter we get. Absolutely. I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's obvious, uh, not only just with your work and your interest, but at the same time, I can tell that there are new students coming out of medical school who are looking more for an opening and that they feel that they're too isolated in what they do. And uh, I've often drawn for people a, a, a pie chart and I said, this is 5,000 years of knowledge that we have gathered with trial and error in medicine. And that is a fact. We know it. We can trace it back to this long time ago from different cultures and how people who were interested in helping others become better how they went through all these cycles and how it started and how it developed. And I said, you take the last 110 years, that is Western medicine, they are standing on the shoulders of many, many people who have done it, but they have isolated themselves in just a little sl slice of pie. And I said, when they hit the edges of their pie, of their slice, then they say, there is really nothing else I can do for you. And I say to many people, that is, that means there's nothing else that can be done. But the doctor is right when he or she says, there's nothing else I can do for you because they have reached the edge of that, of that slice. And they say, when I cross the line, I may lose my license, I may lose my insurance, I could get sued, and there could be a problem. But what they should say is, we're done with what we can do. If you want to find healing, look in the other slice of the, or look mm -hmm. in the other part of the, the pizza. Well, you understand what I'm saying? And well, I'm sure in the work that you do and people coming to you looking for choices in their supplements and nutrition and looking into uh, ways they can be self-empowered in their process, I mean, I'm sure you've come across thousands of, of individuals and stories that you've heard. And, yeah. 
you know, and then they're left hung out to dry. And, and uh, yeah, there's nothing more we can apply given this circumstances that we'll feel that would be a benefit and we don't want to take the liability for incorporating anything further. So henceforth, hands off. And yes, we have established ourselves since 76 in the medical paradigm, but it's come with great consternation. Like I said already, it was quackery to begin with. Only medical doctors could practice it, uh, so they desired from UCLA. They were establishing weekend courses doctors could study because they hired Koreans at first. When Nixon went to, to, to China and his doctor got exposed to this, we need to have this as part of our health care because it's natural. It, it costs minimum compared to modern medical right. procedures. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't we? Uh, I mean, you can help the elderly. I mean, in, in China, they can get acupuncture every day. I mean, it would be wonderful on all the nursing homes. You wouldn't have them sitting around all day, you know, just posing in their chair or heavily medicated. Or Life is worth living all the way to the end. And there's a great gift the elderly have to share with the newborns and, yeah. the, and, the, and the children. And inter interacting that polarity yeah. of wisdom, passing it on, this is part of life. This is the Chinese way where the elder grandparents take care of the children the young ones still go out and work and whatever but they're living in the same household that's harmony mm -hmm. and that's where the community is established from the family that's all from confucius on down he had six books he really liked confucius one was the I ching you know the book of changes mm -hmm. and that's what life is all about changes mm -hmm. and how we adapt to them and how we are made stronger by and resilient to it's not happening to you it's happening for you life is happening for you mm -hmm. so embrace it don't run from it and what's the lesson lessons to be learned i mean we're here for a reason i think uh, every medical situation is a you know an opportunity mm -hmm. for growth when we're out of sync with heaven and earth and in conflict within ourselves and conflict within our family, we, we produce disease, uh, stress. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pH of the blood goes up immediately from 7.35 to 7.52. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in a stress situation, the pH goes up. Well, guess what operates in that pH in your blood is viruses and cancer. So how we manage stress is huge. And, and finding a balance. And this is where Rudolf Steiner brought the concept of breathing into the school classroom. You focus, you pay your attention down into details, you do detailed artwork, mathematics, science, writing, and then you go out and play and you, you expand. So you get this inward movement, outward movement, the natural process of life. And it shuts up a field of energy. Your breath in, your breath out is the key to most everything yeah. in this yeah. world that if you want to achieve in high-level sports and high-level uh, activity, you are already aware of your breath and your breathing and how important. Mm -hmm. Number one, food. So I mm -hmm. always give that lecture. Number one, breathing, learning how to breathe. And don't just breathe with your your, your nose and your mouth. Breathe with your body. So, huh. so opening up the concepts, I mean, this was brought to me in, in martial arts and spiritual, that, you know, when you step on the mat and you got five guys wanting to attack, you own the mat. It's your mat. You own this energy. These, this is all part of yourself. You extend, you connect with these five parts, and then you start to play. They're attacking you or whatever. They got knives. They want to stab you. But we, we look at it as play. 
you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and, but, I mean, they're not real knives and they're sticks, but they can hurt you. But mm -hmm. you get a practical sense of movement and, and moving within the framework of a triangle or square or circle. There's power in that. It's formed in nature, mm -hmm. like the golden ratio, you know, uh, the pie, all that magical stuff that's mathematics, you know, yeah. Pythagorean knowledge. Of, of energy and so we're just playing with energy the physical mm -hmm. form yes but when i say breathing you breathe in from your feet breathe out through your head breathe mm -hmm. in through your head out through your kidneys breathe in through your kidneys oh and so we start to move the energy with our intent and our breath so this is the whole idea of disease is stagnation it's mm -hmm. a blockage so we have pain oh then we have an inflammation Okay, well, what's that saying? It's talking to us. Okay, I'm angry. I'm upset. What, what's going on? Overuse, overabuse, whatever. Huh. You started to establish a communication, but first you don't just deny it. It's part of you. It's your horse you're riding. Your body is your part of who you are. So pay attention. Self-love, you know, enlightened mm -hmm. self-interest. Mm -hmm. When a martial artist had an injury, they would fastidiously take care of it because they didn't want any impediment on their energy flow, which is their power oh, flow. Oh, different look, different way of looking at it. And so yeah. that's, this is very important to keep this energy flow. So any type of injury and so forth and so on impedes that, that, that power. And so if you're just an open door, you have access to universal power. You can draw it from the earth. You can draw it from the elements. This is something I woke up through the Native American traditions, hmm. um, working with the natural forces. It's very Taoist. So for me, in this area, in the mountains, it's like, well, who are the most Taoist folks around? You know, people that are close to the earth, yeah. living in harmony. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Native American cultures have been totally decimated from their religion, from their practice, from yes, their spiritual roots. Mm -hmm. And so that was blackballed and, and, and exonated by the U.S. government, their spiritual life. And that the whole history of the ghost dance and bringing back the spiritual and the, the peyote ceremony that was legalized in the 60s, whatever, where they could reestablish connection to spirit and then draw down their teachings again, their language, mm -hmm. which the Jesuits, unfortunately. So I spent a lot of time on Pine Ridge um, up in Canada with the Lakota. Uh, I did many ceremonies, humblacha uh, they call it, vision questing, just doing... The Taoist practices in a, in a Native American tradition, El honoring the elements of earth, mm -hmm. water, we call, we call it metal, you know, the air element, fire, working with it in wood and working with these elements in nature, they're all inside your body. I right. think the I ancient mm -hmm. Jewish text, the Gomorrah, talks about God created the rock kingdom first, then the plant kingdom, and then mm -hmm. the animals, and said, hey, Let's create man, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that story. It's mm -hmm. a nice story. You've yeah. got to have a story, yeah. you know. So in any case, uh, so they all gave parts of themselves to you. So you have a mineral kingdom inside you. you got to honor. you got to take care of. So after air, water, minerals, that's where life happens. Mm -hmm. So then we have the plant, the etheric body within us. And, and we have to honor and place and eat your vegetables, the etheric life force in the vegetables that, to give you life. Mm -hmm. And then we have the animal, the astral substance, animal nature. It's within us. Honor it. You know, it's not something you, oh, the lower nature or whatever. It's just part of who you are. Right, why right, Why would right. you want to oh, put a shame, put a, a, a guilt, oh, create a religion, that that's bad. Uh, this is what we do. We mm. divide and conquer to mm. control people. Religions are in the future. That's probably, a great point, yeah. Uh, religions in the, in the future probably will not be around. 
I mean, those traditional dogmas and doctrines will go with the higher consciousness coming in. It's a new wave. And part of the breakdown of the family, very disturbing. We've seen it in the last 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. The single uh, uh, parents um, bringing up children, the dysfunctional parent, you know, that kind of whole thing has been a a real uh, breakdown of our society. Yeah. You know, and, and it's happening and it's evolving. And to what? I don't know. Uh, but I believe to a, a greater good. In the Native tradition, yeah, everybody is everybody's relative, so we take care of, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody is part of the family, so, I mean, we'll grab an elder's arm and help them walk, or there's kindnesses, and you adapt the children, yeah. and, and, and that's mm-hmm. just because the abuse is rampant. I yeah. mean, the sexual, sexual abuse, mental, emotional abuse, the alcohol, the drugs, Rampant. The, the average income so low on the on the res, it's deplorable. And you know, you don't hear any of the statistics, but the Native American cultures were um, the highest rated COVID deaths in the nation, and and that was never reported, nor was it recognized. And wow. they were the most heavily quarantined, and they were not even allowed to leave their houses without a police. You know, Escort. stopping them. No, just oh. stopping, harassing them if they were so out on the road. Unfortunately, I was shocked. I went back to Pine Ridge the last summer, and I was shocked to hear about all of that. Uh, but they acquiesced uh, a lot to the to the um, vaccines, which I thought was very hmm, shocking to me. Because uh, they did I, what with the vaccines? Well, they were very compliant, and so to me, they'd been beaten down over all these uh, hundred years. Uh, to that point where they just accepted it. This is another insult to injury of centuries of, of abuse uh, that way. And uh, they're, they're so, what else can you throw at us? Because we're still here, you know, kind of attitude. The Native Americans like, we're immortal. You can do whatever, we're still here. Yeah. You can do whatever, we're still here. And that's my experience with the spirits is that they're greater than all of this and we're still here and we're watching, but you guys got to figure it out and you better figure it out real quick because we're, we've been teetering, tottering on this planet, you know, with nuclear exchanges and things like that for the last 20 years. I mean, it just takes one megalo psychopath that says, I want to be the one. And we're teeter-tottering on this. And, and so, it's kind yeah. of a It's kind of a bullying energy, I would say, the way Western medicine has pushed itself into the center of what healthcare is all about. They call themselves healthcare, but that's debatable. And the way that uh, the governments moved in and started pushing away the natives is also bullying. We take over your land and and then quarantine these people and tell them they have to cut their hair and they're not allowed to speak the language anymore and they have to adapt to this. So what you're talking about, insult, insult to injury... I can I can see that that there's been a long history. I mean, a history of the last 150 years or so. Yeah, and we brought along with the our medicine. We brought our diseases. Um, they were not able immunologically to to handle all of that information. They were living a very pure and aesthetic lifestyle. Their diet very minimalistic and. Uh, what keeps the polymer change of your DNA, you know, extended and for a long life is close to starvation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the starvation diet actually it works wonders for you, hmm. according to science. Okay. Well, emotionally, maybe not so much, but physiologically, less is best. Mm-hmm. Make your, your system most efficient 
and, and utilize what you take in there. If your liver is functioning 86%, you can take dirt and get nutrition out of it. Mm -hmm. But if it's 27%, you're putting all those expensive supplements in there, I'm sorry. It's going out through your urine and, and out your colon and you know changing your pH of mm -hmm. your, your large intestine, which is fine. But the liver's got to break down everything. Most intelligent organ in your body knows what you're going to eat next week. I mean, it's got you wired. It's, <laughs> it's called life records, liver. Yeah. It's yeah. live records. All of your history is there. You want to access any history, you go talk to your liver. Um, it knows everything. Every abuse, every little misuse, all that extra glass of wine, whatever. I mean... It, it takes a, a tolling. And so it's, it's one of the ones you want to nurture and have, <laughs> you know, we have a famous uh, formula in Chinese medicine. It's called the happy wanderer. Hmm. And the happy wanderer is blueporum. Oh, blueporum, yeah. Yeah, blueporum is one of the, the one herbs that they found in COVID that had the most uh, beneficial effect for protecting the liver from the virus. Fantastic. And that was out of Wuhan. And so some of the traditions, so they adapted the 4,000-year tradition of herbology to adjust to these new times. But you have to understand, changes in China medicine took 150 years, I mean, to change a formula, a herbal, you know, try this herb and then that herb, the experiment. Absolutely. It was a true science of spirit, you yeah. know, empiric science. Mm -hmm. And this is the beauty of Chinese medicine, observation. My training was in, in my, uh, I guess, science in high school. Advanced biology was like my favorite. I could go out and do field trips. I could do studies in certain areas. I get out of school. Yeah, but yeah. what I learned is we just observe. And we set up and tables or, or stations and, and for animal activity or observation purposes or bird, you know, and we just go out there and observe. And that was like super cool, you yeah, know. And yeah. then it comes to be, well, then, oh, well, meditation. Oh, look at the sky, the trees, and why why the geography is the way it is and what kind of animals. And then we start getting tuning into our natural environment. Mm -hmm. We've lost touch with our natural environment. And, and it doesn't speak to us. And when it does, it's pretty upset and angry you know um, yeah. interesting because yeah. they carry the emotions the elements the clouds the water i mean the birds the animals they're all bearing this burden as well we're, yeah. we're all in this together so um i pay attention to the spirits and and i pay attention to the, the birds if they talk to you you should listen they, at least they know what they're doing Many of the human beings out here, I, mm -hmm. I think the animals are somewhat smarter. At least yeah. they know what they're doing. An ant knows exactly what it's doing every day. Well, they often say that the animals are always ahead of um, some kind of a natural disaster, if I can call ah, it that way. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what? All of a sudden, it's really quiet. Mm -hmm. The birds don't mm -hmm. sing. Yeah. You go like, oh, something is coming. Mm. Or the uh, the elephants would run out of the out of the jungle because they know there is something happening and the horses and the zebras are running all after them. A tsunami is coming. Yeah, they know it's coming. And so uh, minutes often mm. before mm. we know what's happening. Yeah, and so you can cleanse your body, purify your body, fasting, cleansing. It's now becoming almost a necessity uh, given the amount of toxicity we're dealing with in the environment. Mm -hmm. What used to take three months to clean up really nicely it takes you know probably a year year and a half now what took 10 days takes three months we're watering through a lot of junk in the system huh. and the body is trying to process all of that and, and maintain itself hmm. so less is best but good clean foods optimum efficiency is what we're looking at and so 
pristine live enzymes, that's what feeds the body. Sauerkraut, your fermented foods. You know, though I, I'm not too much into a, a prescribed diet, but based on a condition, perhaps we'll tone a diet to a specific situation. But mm-hmm. live enzymes, live foods um, give life to the body and uh, help to clean up the junk. Mm-hmm. So very important. But as far as my my history, uh, I worked with Dr. Ann Wigmore in, in Boston. Uh, my first wife and I, Ruth Ann, we did colonics, massage. And so we worked a lot with all the raw food folks, you know, with Rejuvelac and and the yeah. wheatgrass and Remember, all that. Yeah. And I'd see them in Boston, and they'd be all ecstatic and all over the place, very yin, you know, expressive energy. And at the same time, in Boston, we had Michio Kushi oh, yeah, in, of the, course. in the macrobiotic yeah, community. Macrobiotic, yeah. And so I, I'd, I'd go and in classes with the macrobiotic folks and, and do some yoga and different stuff with the you know some of their teachers in, in Boston. It was a great opportunity. But here they are, in the beginning, it was very, uh, from uh, George Oshawa, it was a very strict brown rice, and and so you'd see them in the three H O restaurant there in Harvard Square. The macrobiotic folks they'd be very quiet, and they they chewing have a, chewing the food. Yeah, they'd have a glass of water, but they wouldn't drink it. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. but they they would sit there and mm-hmm. be very quiet and and, and very sedative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then that was like the opposite of all the raw food folks they were all choom, expressive and oh, out yeah. of their body and you know couldn't be grounded <laughs> you know it was yeah. like the yin and the yang so yeah. the middle way is the way to go because mm-hmm. you'd have extremism on both sides mm-hmm. people on the raw food diet would feel great for three months because they're coming off of sugar heavy fats meats mm-hmm. things like that so it's a balance lighten up their food they felt great and then you got to find come into them back to to center again same with fasting extreme people do it for a long time you got to find balance you know yes. it's all that's Chinese medicine is harmony. Yeah, yeah. Good and, point. Yeah, and, very good. Yeah. And so you have an organ function of 20%. That's the one you want to look at to see we can boost it up to 40%. Mm-hmm. We got one that's over functioning 110%. We got to quiet it down and give that energy back to the, the to its uh, brother or sister in the body. We look at all the organ systems as have a spirit, has a soul, has a, uh, an energy. And so we recognize those and then we try to say, hey, why are you upset? what's going on? You know, well, the diet he's giving me is terrible. I mean, well, he keeps drinking and smoking and shit like that. Oh, all right. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> if you want to hear that conversation, go ahead and have it with your body and say, hey, okay, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of taking antiacids. I'm tired of, you know, trying to suppress this disease with medication because it's still talking to me. Yeah. So the body's talking to you. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Listen. It's trying to tell you something. It has and, a higher wisdom than you do. And that is also something that I understand what you really do with your acupuncture. When you're working with somebody on the table, you are connecting. You're kind of quiet and you you do, there is a certain way that you move around and you are listening to what the body is asking you or telling you. Is that kind of correct? Yeah. Just I mean, not, different than other people. I, I, I oh, Well, that I don't know, but... It's just my style. My Chinese doctors, I worked with Dr. Uh, uh, Chan in, in Rockville, Maryland for many years. And uh, he was one of the first licensed acupuncturists also in the United States and received awards from President Reagan for being the number one calligraphy artist in the world, number huh. one uh, uh, art, brush art, paint, and all throughout China. Uh, he studied it as a youth. He went back to it when he was diagnosed with cancer and healed himself, uh, going back to connect the chi through 
calligraphy, through art, brush painting. He wrote a book on the no cure, cure for cancer, just changing everything in his life that he was doing because mm -hmm. it's a habituation of patterns that creates these situations. So you change up the pattern. It's like many, many cases uh, uh, of cancer, for instance, they change the environment. They go to a different country, different water, different food, no relatives, no friends, and they have to establish a new new life, and all of a sudden their cancer starts going in remission. Wow. What's wow. going on there? And so many, uh, I worked a little bit for with cancer work in Mexico for a while with a Dr. Harvey Beagleson in his clinic, and I would see stage three, stage four cancer every day, every hour, and we would treat and look every every hour, sometimes at the blood and see the changes and what's going on, but many times this is from 40 years of chronic uh, habitual you know, suppression in a relationship situation or whatever. I mean, that, that finally materialized into oh, a cancer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, super. Yeah. And so we'd say, you need to go out dancing, honey. You need to break up with your, 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 your partner. You need to find a life for yourself because mm. the one you're living ain't working for you. you got to find yourself, you know, and, and, and allow that energy because healing comes from within. Yeah. You know, it's diseases of suppression from outside and, we're really good at treating the symptoms here in Western medicine is designed to manage sickness. They don't mm -hmm. cure anything. They just manage sickness. So they try. But well, and it is so simple to say that, but it is, there are wonderful people in that industry, but the industry, the Western medicine industry as a whole was never meant to understand what the cause of the disease is. And they are not focusing on where you will be in five or 10 years from now. They, it's literally managing the symptoms of the disorder. And that is why you see the specialization in medicine to stay in school the extra few years to become an oncologist or a nephrologist or to become an endocrinologist or an OBGYN. The specialization in Western medicine, in my opinion, has made all these high-paid experts but they are not in tune with what the body is telling them. And that to me is, there is a time for that. There is a time to save somebody, but we have been really indoctrinated to, to believe that they are the only choice. And so the majority of the population, I would say, if there is a problem, they go to the doctor. And then you don't understand, we talked earlier about the cost of that Acupuncture, working with the body, doesn't have to be expensive. It can be done at any time. And, of course, with somebody like yourself, I wouldn't do it. But the point is that I feel that is not that connection with the spirit and the body and the emotions and the mental state of where people are today in their life. Because everybody could write a book about their experiences and what life has brought to them and what they have contributed to life and where they are today as the subtotal of what has happened. And to, to tune into that would indeed be, do we have to, does the healing mean that we have to go back three months to trauma that happened? Or can we go back a year or two years or like you say, 45 years of stressors and stuff that have happened in specific, you know, sometimes once, once you step on a certain path, mm. You don't know that it is the wrong was the wrong choice. It's all based on choices, right? We make choices and we say, that looks like a good idea. And we go into that path and we actually deviate from the path that we were on. And all of a sudden we start seeing resistance and oppositions all the time. 
as we move forward and we just go like, yeah, life is a struggle. And I understand, of course, we all have our challenges, but a lot of it has to do with certain choices that we make in life or, you know, people who put us on a wrong path. And uh, so to understand disease and to understand healing, we need to connect the dots, in my opinion, to, uh, to find true healing going forward. And this is where we're at in our healthcare system now. It's at a point of major upheaval. Uh, because of the the recent, how should I say, lack of confidence within the established medical paradigm that they themselves are violating in the name of national security. You know, I mean, human rights, uh, a choice. This is something I've been involved with for the vaccine situation since the late 60s, 70s. I've studied this sort of thing, MMR, DPTs, the whole history of the vaccine industry and how it started with smallpox and in England with the, the cowpox, you know. I mean, gee, hmm. And you look at the mindset of the individuals involved in the early Beginnings of this in England, for instance, the legislature, well, gee, this makes sense. Mm. Dollars and cents. It's a renewable source of income for the, the government. Right. Children are being born every day. Hey, this is a commodity we can we can start to access. Mm. You know? So we have a daily uh, now twenty seven different shots before the kids only three years old. What the yeah. hell's going on yeah. immunologically? Yeah. It's yeah. criminal. Uh, and uh, wasn't that a, the doctor who was studying these uh, vaccines and gave a lecture in front of a large audience of physicians and said, if I take your the average human body weight, like 160, 170 pounds, and I will uh, compare to a baby. And so I see what we inject into a baby who is maybe, uh, let's say, eight, nine pounds. If I multiply that times 20 or 25, then why don't we just increase the vaccine dosage by 25 to make it work for your body? Who's the first one who wants to come take the injection? And nobody came forward. You understand what I'm saying? So they literally did the comparison. Well, they know. And challenged the physicians, and nobody wanted to get that shot because <laughs> that's too toxic. So why did we give it to a baby? And, and, and when you look at the last several decades, how the, the amount of vaccines have increased, I think it is, you said 27, I think it is close to 60 right now by the time they're 10 years old. With the boosters and whatnot, um, perhaps, but it's such an insult and aggravation to the system, and you're changing the identity and personality and the psychology of an individual. You have to understand all of this has consciousness. All yeah. these bugs inside of you have a consciousness. A viral has a consciousness. When you're infected with a viral disease inside your nucleus of your cell, I'm sorry, you want to die. You feel, you know, depressed. You don't feel you're lethargic. I mean, that's the consciousness of the virus. It's uh -huh. not who you are. But we, we start feeling this is my life. I'm, I'm constantly tired, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgic. That's the energy of the virus and the situation you're doing dealing with in, internally. Hmm. So you start to remove the, the oppressors, the heavy metals and the candida yeast. You start eliminate the parasitic uh, toxicities out of the system. All of a sudden, you, your mind can start to, oh, have a positive thought. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's working in a different pH realm. Mm-hmm. We're not in fight and flight anymore. Yeah. Oh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's some hope out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. but unfortunately, the control and management of disease, people lose um, their sense of uh, a confidence in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through their experiences, childhood ear infections, constantly antibiotics, on the antibiotics, antibiotics. I mean, that was the major crux of the beginning of my practice, just cleaning up all the the, the chaos that had already occurred through medical practices. Mm-hmm. I think that's the fourth cause of death in the United States is medical malpractice. Third. <laughs> Third, okay. Third. So waking people up is the main job. I mean, I'm an educator, but I'm also, my role is just to come in, stimulate, aggravate, whatever, bring the light, the chi, the energy into a situation, whatever is going to stimulate, move, whatever stagnant's got to move. So I'm always constantly going to situations, you know, and, and making changes. That's what we do and set up order, set up harmony. For healing to happen, you have to be in a safe place. So that's the first thing you need to do is create a safe space where people can be. Mm. Feel safe, relax. Mm-hmm. Their hammock out in their backyard underneath the shade. Mm. Right now, they need to rest. Summer, when you're tired, exhausted, your body's healing. It's repairing. It's restoring. Pay attention to it. Allow it to happen. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the biggest mantra I give to pay. You know, when you have a bad news, come over the phone, take a breath. It's okay. Relax your nervous system, number one. So that's what's going to jack things up. That's going to change your blood pH. So monitoring your own internal environment that's the only thing you can control you can't control what's going to happen the next day you can you can give the name to your child but after that hey you know all controls off i mean they're going to do what they're going to do irregardless of what you think and so my life was that way i'm going to do what i'm going to do but I, i may have some tough challenges because i'm stubborn and i'm not going to pay attention what you have to say even though i'm be wise and be smart no i'm not going to do that you know and we just have attitudes mm-hmm. why because we've been conditioned by our environment mm-hmm. and so we're just a response to that and then we'll find our own way we'll find what's true for ourselves mm-hmm. we'll find what works for us what's our passion what turns us on what brings us joy i mean why are we here to deal with all of this stuff it doesn't look like fun you look at the porpoises they they swim, they have fun, they're all together, they're in a community, they eat, they, they have sex, and they, they're, they're having a great time. Yeah. yeah you know, and they're yeah. enjoying life. And then they'll play with the surfers. They'll even rescue a surfer once in a while when a <laughs> shark is coming around. But they have a higher intelligence. They're a mammal, and they, they hardly sleep. So, you know, you look to nature, you'll find all sorts of uncovered mysteries. I mean, just the, the fact that a a caterpillar will go through a metamorphic yeah. change and wrap up, and all of a sudden, it doesn't know what the future is like. It's, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. There's a whole new thing. I'm emerging as a crystallist. I'm, I'm, I'm flying. You're dying, you're flying. It's a process. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I often have to counsel my clients. It's like you're, you're right in the throes of the situation, and it's like a snake shedding its skin. Right before the new life, the new skin, that shed is over your eyes. You can't see the future. But once that that veil is removed, it's like, oh, it's a brand new day. It's a brand new world. And same thing when you enter into this world through birth and you exit through death. You're Mm. going through that that veil of uncertainty 
that fear. That, uh, and so if there is no death, what's there to fear? Are we immortal? Uh, are you agnostic? You don't believe in God? You don't believe anything? Well, you got a heartbeat. What's making it beat? Yeah, you know? good point. I mean, it's a, it's a miraculous miracle. It sure is. And so the older we get. And we're all unique, too. And we've gone through what we've gone through and survived. It's like, oh, when a bee comes to that flower, watching it's like, that's amazing. I mean, I'm in ecstasy and pure joy just watching things like that these days. I mean, I, it doesn't take much. I don't have to. But, I mean, just that connection that we have with nature, you feel within yourself, and, and that's what we need to be a part of, mm -hmm. is this, this whole environment. We can affect the environment through our consciousness. Yeah. And so the mass consciousness that we're dealing with, the depression, the, the, the divide-conquer, the, you know, it was criminal what I saw going on in the hospitals. People couldn't even see their spouse while they were passing away, yeah. you know, or yeah. the last 15 minutes after two weeks of being denied access in the last 15 minutes, seeing their spouse pass over with wires and tubes and stuff and never had a connection. It's criminal. Yeah, it is. You know, and what was going on was is criminal in regard to humanity and having a, a sense of, of respect and dignity yeah. with all of this. And It became super mechanical. There was no spirit. Uh, in it well they and were refusing. I, I know well and i think that many nurses they were struggling with this because they uh they they saw what was going on i've talked to a few nurses and they said it was so difficult to uh it was all protocols protocol was very mechanical was very and who was orchestrating those orders you know yeah. that's the real real deal and we start to tie that line up yeah beautiful doctors they're out there. They want to serve humanity. They weren't allowed. Go mm -hmm. home. Don't come here. We can't do anything for you. Yeah. And then if you're here, you need to be on a respirator, and we'll definitely take you out. And I mean, the Rendemisphere thing. I mean, Dr. Artis has, has talked quite extensively about that, and then all these synthetic poisons that are occurring. You know, it's fascinating to me because he, he, he puts a few dots of exposés together on all of this, but it is... Very simply put, poisons in the system that are neurological and it shuts down the brain stem and then the diaphragm goes up to the fourth rib. You can't breathe. This place is iron. You can't absorb oxygen in the body. It's very effective in what it wow. is if you get this kind of, not everybody received this type of vaccine nor right. the, the Delta variant or, or, or whatever. I mean, all different lots and, you know, all of that's very complicated to follow and, and try to track and but who's behind it is really, and these vaccines were made up way before this pandemic. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mm -hmm. mean, so what's the agenda? Mm -hmm. You know, that's always the question. Mm -hmm. what, now what, oh, is this a distraction technique? And what's going on with this thing in the, the Titan, Titanic explosion of the underwater? We got all sorts of distractions going on here. What's really happening next is I'm preparing for because well, they went after the elderly with this first thing, and because population control is a very concern for these various individuals or whatever taking over the planet or enslaving the planet, basically what's happening yeah. in all realms of life. But uh, well, now you see the takeover of agricultural land. Well, yeah, Monsanto has been big things from a long time, and they they used to come to the little. Natural uh, seed uh, re reproduced there in Belgrade. Uh, she accused me of being a Monsanto agent one day because I would come in every year and get my potato seeds and get my seeds from her and local, and she knew most everybody. You're unusual. You're new. And, 
And it came out two years later. So, you know, originally I thought you were a Monsanto agent. You know, <laughs> you know, wanted to befriend me, wanted to be friendly, and then yeah. they've been trying to buy her out. You know, for the last fifteen years, all these little tiny growers and stuff like that. Yeah, they have agenda. They eliminate the competition, man. We're we're taking over, and so that's what's happened to biological medicine, natural medicine, naturopathy, herbal medicine. It's not scientific. Oh, it's got one carcinogen in it. You, you know, throw out sassafras. It's toxic mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Comfrey, another thing. Comfrey is one of the greatest healing plants on here. All heal, it's called. You know. Yeah. And so all of these things, they have a methodology and a, and a system that they do to. And we have probably fifteen known, twenty known cures, systems for cancer, totally bookshelved and taken out, character assassinated, eliminated, story after story. And I've met some of the best cancer workers on the planet. Yeah. Dr. Essels out of Germany. You listen to some of his uh, uh, students talking, he had longstanding 15, 20-year remissions of his cancer work. And uh, he gave a lot of his knowledge to the Gerson people as far oh, as his vaccine I development. Uh -huh. I, met, I met him in Mexico. Uh, Dr. Gerson, I mean, not Dr. Gerson, but uh, Charlotte, I met, but uh, um, Dr. Essels. He was there, um, yeah, in his 90s, and he was still working, but he had developed a vaccine, and he would cultivate and actually feed the cancer tumor, swell it up, and then inoculate and create an artificial fever and burn it up. Huh. Uh, he had a method for doing that, but same thing with Dr. Hammer and his new medicine. He had 2,000... Uh, 300 uh, cancer cases. He cured 2,000 of them, and the the 232 they put him in prison for for not offering alternative, <laughs> you know, uh, some sort of conventional therapy. You know, yeah. that did passed away. But his work was uh, it's mind blowing because he correlates the mind, the emotions, the physiology, and the German mindset. I mean, not in a Chinese way. We already know all of that. It's mm. all together. You can't separate it. But yeah. he was delineating and seeing and putting the physical structure. And saying, well, this part of the brain is related to this emotional psychic trauma, okay? And it's repeatable. All lung lymphoma, cancers or some fight and flight situation where you, you're scared of death, you know, incident, emotional incident creates this trigger. Yeah. If you're told you had cancer and you believed it, it's going to create a lesion Absolutely. in your brain. Absolutely. And so those things are, are the correlation and then the, the, the area of modulation of the disease is in the brain. And uh, how that works. And so many times for post-traumatic stress and psychology, psychological, I mean, Tony Robbins is proving this with his, uh, his work with using burning parts out of the brain that they isolate in regard to addiction behavior. Or mm -hmm. they burn out of this tremor of Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll burn out that all of a sudden the Parkinson goes away. Hmm. I mean, I've seen that. How do they burn it out? Yeah, they use a sonogram, okay. uh, heat. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so uh, these are advances in medicine that are they're tremendous uh, possibilities. But with all technology, there's a double-edged sword. It mm -hmm. can be used detrimentally where they control, manipulate, and create whoever they want to create within you. Mm -hmm. But they're doing all that already and have been doing it for quite a long time with artificial intelligence and implants in your brain. And, for, you know, it's just right. mind-blowing. Right. And this right. is what's what exciting. I was working in in Washington, D.C. in the 90s, and it's like NIH was so excited because they're working on gene therapy. Finally, they could find a cure to disease. They eliminate the gene, identify it, and replace it. 
guess what they replace? They use the AIDS virus as a carrier. Yeah. They disinfect it, and yeah. they use that to modulate because it's so so effective in doing that gain-of-function research. Yeah, right, right, right. We can replace that gene, and they proved it with sickle cell anemia with a Negro girl, 13 years old, totally removed it within three months. She went through hell. But it might have to have another uh, session and go through all that. Guess what it costs? $1.5 million for that one wow. treatment. Wow. So now, what wouldn't you do to save your child if you had some life-threatening disease? Wouldn't you triple mortgage your house, pay the $1 million, whatever? I mean, this is what they're looking at. But the NIH has finally found something that they can work with to cure a disease. Because mm. otherwise, they're just managing it. You know, mm. oh, yeah, vitamin A research. Oh, yeah, oh, 98. Acupuncture is good for lower back problems, uh, menstrual disorders, the side effects of cancer, headaches, and constipation. You know, as they came out and said, it's good for those. We don't know how it works. Yeah. They still don't know how acupuncture yeah. works after all these years. North Koreans have injected radioactive dyes in the points. They see it's separate from the nervous system, the blood circulatory system, the lymph system. What? So it's a different channel. It's following the ligaments and tendons. It's an energy system. Yeah. And it's built into the system. It's real. Mm. And so to me, that's the immortal nature of our our our, our, our true Selves is immortal. I mean, it's an right. energy that right. can't be created nor destroyed. That's quantum physics. Right. You know? Very interesting. So, so this is where we can morph our fields into a, a higher frequency and vibration. Disease has got to go. Right. Disease it's, is a vibration, too. If I hang out with cancer patients all day, guess what? It's, it's sympathetic resonance. I'm going to start oscillating into that vibration as well. I'm going to develop a cancer frequency. And so this is osmotic. When you have a woman in a strong menstrual cycle, all the other women come in sympathetic resonance with it. That's just a thing in nature. Mm. Well, what, so our environment is really conducive to our well-being, how we create our environments in harmony with everything else or in disharmonious resonances that affect our health. We're, we're a macrocosm to some parts of nature, and we're a microcosm to the whole universe and other parts of nature. And so it is all connected. Yeah, and we have to wake up to that fact of who we really are, connected mm -hmm. to that universal energy. Mm -hmm. And that's infinite. So what makes us unique then? Yes. What, what what makes us unique? Well. I mean, if we're really part of nature, what makes us unique in nature? Well, that's, God has a real sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be boring if we were all just anatomically perfect, harmonious, and we have a personality, we yeah. have a color, we, yeah. have, we have a gift of God, we shine, and we have to allow that out, and be crazy, be a little stupid, be a little, have some fun, our mind doesn't allow you to, I gotta do, gotta do, I got, I'm, a, I'm looked at and loved if I accomplish, if yeah. I get all this stuff done, then, then I'm accepted, you know, we do all these things as a kid, we learn all these habituations, patterns of how to receive love. We just want to survive. We just want to be loved. So we'll manipulate whatever the circumstances are to get what we need because we're going to survive on this planet. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. And by 18, I was, I was on a plane traveling around the world. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So what was you, you said earlier that uh, your brother gave you some books mm -hmm. and that really triggered your interest. Yeah. What, who was the person who you met that you connected with in a way that you felt, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. It wasn't... I mean, because was a, some people may be the wrong masters, the wrong leaders, but you must have met somebody, say, you were totally 
you said, this is where I'm going. Mm, it's a process of just jumping in and swimming and seeing where you get out on the river. And so my life course in age 18, you know, going through that whole process and 21 and then coming back. And I guess it was through illness, sickness, that I was reaching out for healing. And through that process of healing, I came into one individual that a New Age magazine, I'm laying on my bed, it was like the third month, I just couldn't function. And in any case, uh, yeah, so I'm seeking healing. This guy's a healer. I'm going to go check it out, you know, because mm. I've been in the hospital for three months. Long story. That was not in the United States, right? This was, was in the United States. States. When I get back, I was in the hospital a month here and, and uh, a month prior to in England and then uh, on my back for a month in my house um, just to, for my back to heal. Had osteomyelitis and L4, L3. It was the softening of the internal bone from septicemia, blood disease I picked up in Asia wow. from a, a, a motorcycle accident and wow. got infected. Yeah, those are all long stories, all part of memoirs I can, <laughs> I can write. But in any case, I, it wasn't one individual. But I remember one flashback incident where someone had gotten hurt in Harvard Square. And my nat natural inclination, because then I was thought, well, why am I here? What am I, uh, you know, what to do? Because I'd gone around the world, I'd gotten sick, I'd come, I'm looking for healing, and I, I, I came across this individual. Some may know him. His name was Carmu. Carmu was a, a, a Negro, grew up in the poorest of poor situation, a car mechanic, but Carmu was a big fellow. And they used to pass him around as a child because he was a magnetic healer. Hmm. And he had this gift. And so people would give him some metal or something like that, and, or he'd do a healing session on somebody. He had the energy, you know. <laughs> so you'd amp up your field, okay. Yeah, and yeah. he did a session with me on the back, and it was like the third level of a small apartment. You had to walk up all these stairs and a little tiny kitchen, a little hallway with a single bathroom and his bedroom. And there's probably 20, 30 people in there, so, sometimes up to 60 people coming for healings or whatever, hanging out. Mm -hmm. Some I learned about vampires. I learned about all sorts of energy drainer people and all sorts of psychological. And then I met an acupuncturist there. Mm -hmm. And he was seeing this acupuncturist working for him, Bob Banover. He'd just come back from England. And so he told me about him, so I sought him out, Dr. Shen. Um, he's got a book this big now written about him. And Five inches. He, yeah. He, yeah, all about the pulse. Wow. <laughs> he, 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 he was a master of the pulse. He was old, occult, connected wow. to... And so he would tell you all about your life just taking your pulse. So... Oh, you're getting involved with a business situation. You better watch out for your partner. You never asked him a question. And the guy's going, oh, what the hell's going on here? Oh, I've, wow. I've come here for this problem. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's telling me this stuff. And he's just checking my pulse. Yeah, Never wow. asked a question anyway. Mm -hmm. But that was Dr. Shen. So Carmu, but it was this individual that was suffering in Harvard Square that naturally my inclination of heart, I wanted to help. Mm -hmm. So I felt that. And I said, well, there's something to that. I need to follow that. It's a natural inclination. So the service industry or wanting to help heal. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting into that mode, and, and then I was seeking my own healing, and it would naturally evolve. There wasn't one particular person, but it's a series of connections. That makes sense. And, and, and all around the world, there's always a series of connections, whether it were through Buddhist monks or whether through uh, illumined physicians that were coming over to the United States or me meeting them in Germany and Switzerland. 
Yes, but most of my time was spent uh, studying Chinese medicine as far as my occupation. You know, how am I going to survive in this world? It's okay to be crazy, but you got to be able to function. And so I was already crazy. You know, I mean, I grew up living the life, uh, living in communes all around the world in different mm. different situations. So, you know, I, I was cool with living and being crazy, but being able to function in this world was the challenge. Yeah. I mean, I can function on the other side, no problem, but three-dimensional time and space you look at my office i got papers everywhere i need someone to organize all that stuff to keep me <laughs> keep me function because i'm kind of like you know i like backup systems so i yeah. i always have you know two or three different backup mm. systems it's just built into my my survival skills yeah i need three hammers i need da, 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 and i just need them all different in different places, places yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may need one <laughs> you never know <laughs> So, but I, I, I am, I'm gifted to be here. I'm, I, I'm really a lot of people have interceded on my behalf that that allow me to be here. And and my brother, yes, I think the the books um, that influence he gave me was the Master Game. It was all about the spiritual waking up to spiritual consciousness. And then Jesse Stern wrote a book, Youth Yoga and Reincarnation. Hmm. I remember reading that in high school, and you know, we're sitting out there dissolving clouds with our minds and doing meditation and yoga. And so I read that in high school, and I wanted to start doing yoga. Well, that seemed like the way, you know. I want to find, because the other book I read was Siddhartha, and it's like, okay, enlightenment seems like a worthwhile endeavor to start to, to pursue. It's always been a spiritual, you know, connection for me. I mean, church wasn't it. I didn't want it to go to church. Um, the, dog, had, the dogmatic... Uh, uh, Episcopalian, uh, it was pretty loose, but I had to put on a tie or I had to get dressed, and, you know, that wasn't my nature. I didn't, I didn't like that. But, you know, the, you know, I mean, it's just no, choking neck yeah, and yeah, you yeah, couldn't yeah. breathe, and then all those women would wear those Easter bonnets and the smells and the, the heat, and it's like, oh, my hair, this isn't fun. I want to loosen up my tie. i got to breathe. <laughs> i can hardly breathe. And then they're asking for money. And <laughs> like, yeah. where's Jesus and all this, mm. you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's funny. So I, I, as a kid, I would go with my Catholic friends sometimes and take communion. I wanted to see, you know, if I could experience anything more there. I got the blood and the in the body of Jesus, it must do something, right? Yeah. You know? yeah so yeah. I, I go to midnight service with my Catholic friends. Oh, that was a sin. Or, I mean, if someone else, I mean, but. If they would have known. Yeah, but yeah. I, it's just like, I want to experience life. I want to know for myself what, yeah. what the truth is. Yeah. You know, what's my truth? Who am I? Why am I here? All that. So. Did you I, feel anything? Did you notice anything? Taking the Holy Communion and. I think we had had a few glasses of wine or beer before. So oh, before. Who knows? It's <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, Christ is in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Well, I grew up Catholic, and uh, so uh, I always enjoyed, uh, but then again, the church building I would go to was built in 1100. And so I, you walk in there, and you, I just always felt the reverence for of the history of the thousands, millions of people who have walked through those churches. Beautiful and, religious and the, the frankincense and um, yeah, the ceremonies were beautiful. But the message wasn't always there. I would always look forward to the the actual, uh, what you call it, uh, when, when the priest kind of talks, uh, the preaching, uh, the moment in, in the service where he talks spontaneously about a topic. I forgot the name of that. But uh, to me, that was always, because the rest was all just following the book Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the ritual. It's the ritual, and so you're out of there in 55 minutes. 
mm. to an hour. That was it. They used to have rituals and you know seasonal and into Michaelmas and yeah. Archangel Michael and you know they honored the various aspects and you bet. And then you know um, the true Catholics were the kind of the converted Catholics that would pray and you know be sincere in their heart and really have connections and look in Mexico and Mother Mary and how all that took off and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the visitations, um, they have a personal experience with God. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. That's, that's really interesting. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And connect. So you got to connect to your spirit somehow, some way. You have to find a way that you can reconnect and have that established within yourself so you, you start to know yourself. Who are you? Why are yeah. you here? What are you supposed to do? And I see the kids, you know, they're floundering. Because, you know, they want it all instantaneous, and why am I feeling these pains and aches, and give me a pill, and make my life right, and why am I not have the gazool billion bucks, you know, that all these people have? And then it seems like, well, why am I, you know, they don't feel like they're important. Right. And so... It's on, something money cannot buy. Self-worth. You yeah. know, understanding your self-worth and, and who you are, and, and you're not all of what... You, is projected upon you um, and the criticism and the condemnation that you live with every day and you're not good enough and you hear all of this all the time and so yeah uh, identity understanding mm -hmm. your, your people who are your people we're losing you know all that traditional i'm scandinavian you know there's my heritage the vikings you know i mean there's a certain power in, in knowing your history and where you come from, your bloodline, you know, and your ancestors, all of that mm. is important. But at the same time, it can shapeshift in a minute, and you can just be who you really are. Mm. And it's an embodied angel or an ascended, unascended being of light, you know. I mean, you have the power within you to change the world, and that's a matter of allowing that to happen. Wow, that's a lot of, that's a lot of wisdom right there in a few sentences. I, you look at, uh, well, I have grandchildren, and you, when you when you take the time to sit back and watch them, and and even little children, if it, when you know, I, I I felt personally that when our children were young, it, it was not something I had enough time for, to really observe. And I and I have often heard people say, once you have grandchildren, it's a whole different ball game because you will make time. You're usually in a stage of your life where maybe you can slow down a little bit here and there and take some time. You're not always following your career. And it is totally true when I, when I watch the grandchildren, just observe them, the way they think, what life is very uncomplicated to them. And they are very intuitive in what they can and cannot do. And they're learning. Hmm. And to observe that, to me, is just fascinating, how they think, how they answer questions, the questions that they ask, it's beautiful. And once they start going to school and they meet other souls in the playground, that could be all of a sudden you start seeing the bullying happening or you see the girls hanging together, the friendships that develop. But also, hey, I'm scared of that guy. He's really wild. And and then they, they learn, oh boy, what is that? What what kind of energy is that? And they don't know how to deal with that all the time. And then, then you have the parents who are either into health or they're not into health. And so some kids get really not the healthiest food and other kids are really healthy. And so you, you, you see all these, these different 
entities or individuals in this case, of course, uh, act together and learn from each other and mm -hmm. develop. And then in the, the time we're living in, you know, you and I growing up, uh, we didn't have all the technology and we did have radio and you had cassette players and you had videotape and, you know, that all developed and call TV. I mean, when I remember when call TV came out, that was like, whoa, that was a, that was huge. But now, Social media is very important, and children get cell phones earlier and earlier. I, I have an acquaintance who said she felt that her child needed to have a phone in the, in the classroom because if she needed her child or her child needed her, they should be able to contact her immediately and not wait till a break or coming home for lunch or... And I go, no, this is, this is getting too much. So some of it is stimulated by parents uh, a lot of it is stimulated by peers and we are moving in a in an interesting direction i feel with uh, the young people coming up not same time they're often very technical they're very quick uh, i see i talk to some young people and i'm just amazed uh, 20 year olds 21 year olds 30 year olds their their mind works deep there is a lot of knowledge. Uh, they talk about the Generation Z, and and you go like, well, how does that all work? But yeah, what then when you actually listen to them, there is some. They're still observing the world in mm. their own way. Mm. When you catch, when you can take them aside, so to say, uh, with the with the peers, it's different. But when you see them one on one, and you start talking with them and listening to them and questioning them. It's uh, there is a lot of depth going on. It uh, I, I don't think it is lost yet. We're not uh, we're not losing the youth. It, it, it some of them yes, but uh, that has been going on through history, right? I mean, you were the rebel, father's eyes. Oh yeah. And you know you have focused on becoming a better person, and you have focused on helping others to become the best they can be, working with them and trying to understand it. And your studies have have been able the way you understand the studies and practically you've how you've practically interpreted that you're able to in a simple way explain to people what the value is in this world in their own world first of all you understand what i'm saying with that that's what i notice in you well what's so insightful i guess is when you know a person can tell you all sorts of different stories and they're only going to share what they're comfortable with sharing, but oftentimes, okay, that's the story. But when I say, let me take a drop of your blood or, you know, I'll take a little finger prick and put it under a microscope. At that moment, when I take the blood and put it on the slide, there's a crystallization of consciousness that's occurring because all life is in the blood mystically, spiritually, energetically, hmm. biblically. Hmm. All life is reflected there. Every thought, every feeling is reflects in the blood. Hello, it's the medium by which you know all life occurs, and 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 so when I take a drop of blood and I put it under cover slip, and all of a sudden there's a crystallization of consciousness out of particular matter in the blood. I'm looking at a hologram. Okay, so one drop of blood is a whole universe of information. Wow. And so when I see these structures occur, and they're bigger than red blood cells, bigger than small, and now, you know, we're all over the internet with hydrogels and things they're finding in the blood as a result of the COVID scenario. Um, 
But yet, and so the blood's not sterile. So, I mean, sometimes viral aspects, which you can't see, but I can see the effect of them uh, inside the nucleus, but it's a low-powered, dark-field microscope, not contrast phase. And then dry blood has been studied in Europe hmm, over 90, 95, the fibrogenic nature of dry blood. So I do a dry blood analysis as well. And that way I see accumulated uh, toxins like heavy metal will band to the outer edge of the blood slide, let's say the dry blood, the metal ions. And so we'll see that band when we're dealing with heavy metals, when we're doing some, some sort of, you know, toxic element like metal. I, I do want to make sure that you will explain what you're talking about right now. Uh, you, you, this is dark field microscope, mi- microscopy. Yeah, this is a, a Because of, of, most most people who are hearing this podcast say, what, what, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? So, oh, I'm sorry. Please, no, no, step yeah. back one No, moment. I mean, to me, it's a foreign world too. Here, I'm brought up in You've China. been doing a long time, 30 plus years, 30, right? 30, 35 years, I guess. You're one of the oldest people. I mean, not you're not old. <laughs> no, you're one of the people who's done it the longest. <laughs> no, but you're one of the people who are one of the first people. I don't know how many people do what you do. Nobody does what you do. Probably be about 25 people. Uh, in the country. Well, yeah. But nobody hardly. has the type of history that you have, and you have really delved into this. And so maybe you can explain to people what you're talking about here. Well, I had the good fortune, as always, God and the angels have arranged for me to meet specific people in specific times in my life where I need greater insight, greater the education's ongoing. You never get this master. That's why I talked to the beginning of the conversation is we're walk, walking a circle, but we're walking a circle in a spiral. And so we're always looking at the same thing in different perspectives. And as my belief systems change or clear up or start to perceive, I, I see different things. And the same way in, in, in a drop of blood. Uh, microscopy, yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. Most of my understanding philosophically or, or bioenergetically, biophysiologically comes from Dr. Indolin's work with pleomorphic understanding of these microbes that I'm looking at. To me, I'm an acupuncturist. I'm not a microscopist. I'm not a biologist. I have some scientific mind thinking, you know, but my training is observation. I'm a Chinese doctor. I observe. So I got into all this and it's fascinating. I I saw it in Germany. I said, that's fascinating, but it's not in my field at all. Hmm. I'm Chinese medicine, physical hand on needles, herbs, medicine, but boy, what a tool. I can look right into the, the, the inner workings of the body. What's going on here? So I'll see now I'll take a drop of blood and I'll see things people don't. I mean, I've had slides sent to me from Australia. I've never, or from Bali, and, and never ever met the person, hardly know anything about their history. They'll send me a slide and I'll go, hey, did you ever have any issues with jellyfish? Hmm. And they're going, what? Hey, yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm texting them and they didn't send me a lot of information, but I'm seeing in their, their slide an incident that happened in regard to these jellyfish in their blood. I mean, it's crazy. I know. It's bizarre. I know. But anyway, I, I just put the question out there because I'm kind of crazy to begin with. And I saw this situation in the blood. And I said, well, did you have any issues with jellyfish or anything? Because you have a neurological issue. And I'm putting all the pieces together of this situation and yeah they did some night diving in the java sea and ran into this. everybody got stung very severely and oh. those were neurotoxins and they were still in their system and it was still affecting her oh my goodness and so all that was a key element 
to reversing her, her situation. And uh, that's what is so beautiful about the blood is you'll see these incidences of these psycho-emotional, what Dr. Hammer is talking about, mm -hmm. with these fight and flight and fear and syndromes and these incidences create these lesions in the brain that creates the disease. It all happens simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing it in the blood. And yeah, how to describe that in the blood, people think you're a wacko. But hey, that's, that's the life. I'm on the edge with energetic medicine. Hello, this is how we look at things. We look at things holographically. I'm looking at Dr. Beagleson, who I worked with, uh, looked at him as biograms. You know, he, he wanted to put a little his stamp on this because he, he used this in his medical practice as a medical doctor to identify these issues. A person comes in just off their honeymoon. I mean, you see that in the blood and you see the joy and the harmony and the no beauty. Way. Oh no. yeah, you have someone that just has suffered a shock, a trauma, someone just passed away, you see the blood all shut down, it's all closed down, they're in shock. I mean, it's emotional shock. And so where are they at with their process? Everything you think and feel, that's why I say it changes the pH in the blood. Yeah, but so, this is so interesting, Thomas, when you think about, you just take a drop of blood from somebody's finger and you put it on a piece of glass, and then you look under the microscope. This is very different than people who think, I'm going to have a blood test done for my hormones or for my vitamin D or my lipids. This is a whole different way of looking at blood. Yeah, I'm not and, diagnosing. And mostly, no, I'm not saying that you are, but the, the, it's so interesting that mo majority of listeners are going like, what are you talking about? He can actually look at my blood and he can see part of my history? That's fascinating. Well, that's fascinating. I ask a lot of questions, you know, based on what I see. And ha half of what they tell me is not what's really going on. So, as a. So, you mean they're the, the not telling you the full truth? Exactly. So, they say what they feel the world wants to know, what they want the world well, to what know. What they're comfortable with. I, I have had those experiences with people. They don't want to tell you the full truth because it's been too traumatic yes. or, or too personal. Yes. And they're still processing, living it, and they have the fear, the anxiety that goes along with it. It's too terrible to remember. Um, but I have to point it out because 50% of the healing happens just looking at your, your own blood. Your unconscious mind is going to heal itself immediately. The body's always trying to heal itself, but when it's in a chronic degenerative state, it needs help to bring it to an inflammatory fire where it can interact and have you know a relationship with a condition. But once it gets in a degenerative state, hello, it has a life of its own that's working in your body, and that's when you need to see a, a therapist. That's when you need to see an acupuncturist or a healer or whatever. You need to bring this stuff to the surface because it's inroading, and disease happens from outside in, not from inside out. And hmm. so the healing comes from inside out. I'm trying to remove the blocks. Right. So that's what I'm seeing. When I see a stagnation in the blood, I want to know about it, because that's what I need to free up. That's that's. Ag How do you see a stagnation in the blood? We call them symplasts. That's the term Dr. Enderlin gave to these crystalline structures that form. They're way too big to be floating around in your blood, so they form when the the slide happens, huh. here and now. And so, but if I take ten ten slides of the same person, I'll see the same symplasts in each one. No way. And I've been accused of... And, and that is on the same day or that is within 10 days or something? 
it depends. If you, well, I, I, I've only done it on the same day, you know, because it will change sure. depending sure. on the incidence and the situation. But when I put the blood on the slide, I, I show it on a monitor. The person yeah, I know. sees it. Yeah, People see it. Even yeah. a kid can say, hey, wow, that looks really healthy. Oh, boy, that doesn't look so good. I mean, huh. it's, it, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward, but it's visual. And you see it in your unconscious mind then goes, okay, well, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Oh, I was feeling pretty good. Now I don't feel so good. Why? Yeah. You know, I said, well, you're in a transitional state right now. You're already ahead of this, what's happening in the blood, you know, in your consciousness. Mm. We have to allow that process to happen. How do we facilitate it to work better so you get a, a full, from the mind, emotion, physical, all the way through? You know, a lot of people do energetic medicine. They change charges on toxic elements so they're no longer affecting you, but we still need to get that physical chalice out of there. And so I had issues with certain energetic practitioners. You got to get rid of the, the garbage that, that held that charge, you know, mm -hmm. of that radiation or whatever. You still got to get the particles moved because they're taking up space. Right. Cleansing, detox is really important, but doing it in a way where the body can process it. And of course, the liver is the main organ that we focus on. So if people do mechanical fasting that say it's got to be every thursday or it's got to be three days it's got to be this and that 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 may not you may do the physical work but maybe on a spiritual or level you're not really cleansing because it's so mechanical well, a lot of people have this idea i got something bad in me i mean i got some situation i need to get rid of and that's sometimes psychologically emotionally that ends up as being fasting cleansing got to get this emotional energy out of my system i got to change gears so fasting is a way to to shape shift the energy at the time and just totally change things yeah. so it's a good tool to have in your repertoire for sure mm -hmm. and having done all sorts of i mean i have a book on the science of fasting this big yeah uh, yeah Four that's, inches. Yeah, three inches. <laughs> Can't show it in a I mean, all different types of fasting. Yeah. You know, that's a whole science unto itself. Yeah. Air, air fasting and water fasting and uh -huh. juice fasting. And, master, the master you know, fast. Master or, plans. you know, or just, you know, uh, intermittent fasting is a popular thing now where I'm just fasting half a day or whatever and, you know, balancing blood sugar. You, you know all the details mm -hmm. of all that. I'm sure you, you run into it every day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, counseling people on the diet and the right diet, there is no one right diet. And I've struggled through all of that. I've been vegetarian for two and a half years, tried macrobiotics, you know, they all have their pluses and minuses, but it really boiled down to my blood type. And then what my body needs right now, you know, based on my age and what I'm doing and how athletic I am mm -hmm. and, and what I'm pursuing. So mm -hmm. all of that tailors into getting your diet to, to work for you mm -hmm. and not against you. Because mm -hmm. for me, a blood type O, if I do dairy products and all, I'll have a head congestion and cold. You know, this little half and half in the coffee. I mean, I'll I'll notice it in the in my sinuses. You notice it, huh? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't doesn't stop me from drinking it. But tomorrow, you may say I skipped that, so that I. Well, I, yeah, you don't usually put cream in my coffee anymore. I usually put mushroom extracts and things like that in there. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm so sorry I had to put you through that. You didn't oh, have to. <laughs> oh, 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 uh, no, I mean, I love the ritual yeah. of coffee. I, I too. But I don't like that. I'm better off just probably having tea or you're even nothing. I, I don't feel the need to drink coffee to get going. I mean, that whole... No, it's the same with me. My, for me, it is the memory of my mom and mm. sitting down at yeah. 10, 10, 20, 10, 15, and just have a cup of coffee. And there was a whole thing how she made her coffee that was didn't have a machine. 
you know, it was just drip coffee, but there was, you put a little extra of this in it and that and then stir it up and you get your cup. And, and she would even do it when she came to an age where she had somebody come and help her clean the house. And then she would always participate, help to clean the house. So they, they, she does a section, the other person did a section. And then by 10, 15, 10, 20, she said, okay, let's have some coffee. And Lots then you sit down and then it was not to wake you up. It was just cozy. It has a coziness well, to it. Uh, way to share communion with one another. Absolutely. That's a good way of saying uh, it. I mean, in Australia, when I lived there and worked there, we'd have a smoko, they call it, you know, 10.15, whatever. We start at 7, 7.30, mm-hmm. go to 10.15, we all come in, all the workers, and we sit down and have a cup of, a cup of tea with the milk, the sugar, and a couple of cakes, Mickey's, and stuff like that. And, yeah. And then, you know, we go back and work for maybe half hour lunchtime we'll go to the pub have a beer some jelly beans and food you know and come back then we work for another hour and a half and then have a smoke in the afternoon tea and bickies and talk and so we got very little work done but <laughs> you were always in a good we were mood. living life uh, with each other and communicating uh, and stuff we had a good time um but their emphasis was different than here you're 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 valued and judged by what you do not who you are. And so that's the whole thing, you know, what you accomplish and you did da, 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 da. Well, we're human beings and we're not human doers. So yeah. you need to be and just be with who and where and what and, and be in the moment because that's all you got. You don't know next moment the bus take you out and you're on the other side. Yeah. It's going home. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's the way it happens. Yeah. Most of the time. At the same time, you know, we're here for a time and a season, a rhyme and a reason. And yeah, I like to look at blood because it's so fascinating to me. I mean, every case, okay, you got psoriasis, this guy's got psoriasis, but totally different uh, situation. Totally different. That's but right. it happens on this forearm. Well, that's a triple warmer endocrine system, large intestine. It's, it's here on my leg. Well, that's stomach issues. According to Chinese medicine, we start to differentiate the imbalances and start to go through a differential diagnosis and start to tone in. Well, this is spleen. Well, okay, well, what's the emotion of the spleen? Uh, a spleen. It's a sadness, grief, loss. There's a tie-in to the emotional component just from looking at the psoriasis. So we start looking. They're all trails. They're all tracks. Mm-hmm. It's a matter which one you find that gets to the heart of the matter. And then we can facilitate. I want to do the least amount for the greatest change. Mm-hmm. So I want to find that one point or that one small key that opens up that big door. Boom. And we're, now we're on the next level. Yeah. Okay, now we're dealing with a n- new expression. And we're out of the diseased situation. So yeah. I enjoy watching that process. I can show it to people. It's real. They see it for themselves when they're healthy, when they're good, when they're not, what's going on. And it validates and confirms what they're feeling and where it came from or, or what it might be alluded to. So once you bring that to the surface, the unconscious to the mind, then it starts to change. Right. You're just bringing light into these dark closets. You've had this all hidden. Yeah. It was so evil, the traumatic. And you had to do that to survive. I'm not here to judge. Yeah. We're doing it to survive. You survived. Congratulate your body. You went through that abusive situation for years growing up as a kid. You survived. Some people, it takes them out. Other people, they thrive. They, they, they learn how right. to embrace that right. and find a mission in their life that's 
never again. We're going to do this and we never get back to that. And we and we learn mm-hmm. and, and, and accelerate. But, I mean, you have to do soul retrieval, spiritual soul retrieval sometimes on the energy of these situations. For many years, every single client I had coming to my table, man and woman, been abused physically, sexually, and I'm going, oh, my God, who are these people? They have no conscience. They see a child on the playground, they can ruin their life in five minutes, you know. Yes. And they're predators. And at that time, they still had the hanging laws here in Montana. I said, hey, let's put it to use. Let's get these guys out of here and send them back to God because they're not doing any." Because I'm seeing the after effects of what happened. Right. And it's like this is years and years of therapy, traumatic, because their nervous system, it's innocent. It doesn't know. Okay, someone's touching you. Oh, it feels good. That's natural. But then the betrayal, the the violence uh, in regard to uh, um, being violated mm-hmm. and all of that sacred energy just taken, you, yeah. at some point in time, you spiritually have to call all of that back and rejuvenate your reproductive organs, not take the guilt and the shame and raise that energy up through the kundalini and transform that energy because you're not it. And, and it's created an infarction and a sensation and a feeling that you go back to because it's a pattern. So how do you change that pattern? We can bring in a higher consciousness yeah. and seeing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We have tools now that are very exciting that people can do, and we can share more of that in our next session because I think we're... Yeah, well, about. like to, I was going to tell you that uh, I think we should wrap it up. Of course, I'm sitting right across from Dr. Sexton. Uh, you don't. I do hope that you, you kind of get into the flow of this. Uh, I'm totally fascinated. Uh, his The way he thinks and the way he brings everything along in, in cycles and circles. And so I'm very happy that you're here. I think uh, we should wrap it up for today, but let's make this the first one of a series because there is so much to talk and so much to express and uh, to, <laughs> to, to read through. So I really, really, really want to thank you for being here, Dr. Sexton. Uh, one more time, I also will put his email below in the notes of the podcast. It's uh, D-A-O-T-E-H-J-I-N-G at gmail.com. So uh, by all means, thank you all for listening. Part one with Dr. Thomas Sexton. We hope to talk to you again on the next one. Have a good day. Bye-bye.